G.I. Joe. Anything but G.I. Joe. <laughs> On this week's You Can't Comp This, we go round the league checking out a lot of trade news. We delve into a number of issues within the hobby, a lot of graders under the uh, under the microscope, and we've got the latest on the Logan Paul G.I. Joe fiasco. All that and more coming up. Russell, how are you on this fine Sunday evening? I'm hot, mate. I am very, very hot. It's been stinking hot in Melbourne the last few days. So it's the middle of summer. We 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 love it and hate it at the same time. I yeah, think. definitely. It's like, beautiful day outside. I want to stay indoors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's um it's been hot and bothersome weather wise, but geez, uh, news wise, we've got a full hot. show. It has yeah. been hot. Yeah. Um, shall we kick it off with trade news? Yeah, let's do a bit of round the league. Yeah, round the league. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to first cap off the rank? The, the first trade to be announced. Yeah, look, this was easily my favourite so far. It was Bowl Bowl trade. It turned out to be a three teamer. So Bowl Bowl and Dozier has gone to Boston. Uh, Hernan Gomez has gone from Boston to San Antonio, and Bryn Forbes has been picked up by Denver. And I think. From a you know team building perspective, it's it's a really interesting contrast of you know sort of where teams are at. Like clearly, yeah. Denver's in win now mode and they're trying to get some shooting into their backcourt. San Antonio is in roster rebuilding mode and also you know making space so that their their own backcourt can breathe a little bit. Yeah, and then Boston is clearly into you know asset collecting mode. They're not trying to. I think they pretty well know that they're not going to win the championship this year, so they think. You know, Bol Bol's a great prospect, and with PJ Dozier out for the year with an ACL, and and he's been with Boston already. Before. They were, you know, very very happy to pick him up again. So, yeah, I mean, I love it, and I think the other reason why for me this is so you know worth talking about is because it is incredibly hobby relevant, just for the fact that we have a phenomenon now called the Bol Bol moment, which is when a player just explodes and goes <laughs> up forty x. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are some people who've still got. Maybe not a bad taste in their mouth, but they remember, you know, when Bol Bol exploded. And so he's going to Boston. He's getting a fresh start. And it did seem to me that he was in shape. You could tell that he was making the effort to, you know, get himself sort of game ready. And he was still not getting time in the rotation. So maybe it was just that, you know, time for him to be moved on. So I'm, look, I'm personally very happy for it. I think the league will be a better place when Bol Bol is playing. Like he's just one of those guys that you look at and he's just, you know, freakish in terms of his like physical stature. So I put him into the same thing as like Kevin Garnett. Big Baby Davis and even LeBron James with those people when they sort of enter the room, they're just that sort of you know freakish person. I love that sort of yeah you know comic sort of relief stuff and and, and gets that kind of um, demands that presence. I yeah, guess. he yeah yep. and skill wise, like he's again he's absolutely freakish too. So I, I look, I really hope it you know works out you know for the best for him. And I think at the end of the day, he's in my mind the best piece that was moved. And yep. I think Boston has picked themselves up an absolute steal and then. Mm. You know, again, from that sort of, you know, team building perspective, they've also created themselves some salary cap space. So yeah. this is the, you know, the win-win trade where they've bought themselves the, cap relief. The win-win-win trade because yeah, you, you sort of like every team sort of got something out of it and that's what you like come the trade period. Yeah. The trade deadline is going to start creeping up and we know there are teams that want to make moves. Yeah. Maybe that's something that we need to look at as well, some other potential trades. 
there are a couple of people that I know want to be moved. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a that's more of a discussion for next week. But uh, Names that we don't need to name. I mean, we've we've done the whole Ben Simmons thing a million times, right? Oh, I said yeah. his name. Oh no, I was yeah. gonna, I was going to say uh, if if uh, leave Russell Westbrook alone. Leave <laughs> Brody is staying in LA. He's not getting traded. No one He's wants that guy. Exactly. No one wants him. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a there was another trade done. Yeah, there was another trade done, and uh, this one I guess is interesting for for different reasons. Uh, sure, the Atlanta Hawks have traded uh, Cam Reddish to New yep. York. Yeah, for, for Kevin Knox and yep. and a first round pick. I, look, I like this trade a lot. Again, I think the really interesting part of this story that probably wasn't that well spoken about was that Reddish went to the front office in Atlanta and asked for a bigger role. And that was wow. a big decision and then moving on. So it was essentially a chemistry trade where they've got yeah. – the, essentially they, they had a log jam. They had mm-hmm. you know, DeAndre Hunter. They've yep. got Bogdanovich. They've got, you know, Trey Young. They've got, you know, John Collins. You know, they've sort of got a lot of shooters there. They've got a lot of playmakers. Do mm. they need sort of this young gun who thinks he needs more opportunities, needs more shots, and essentially then taking shots away from other people? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well – I, I compare the Hawks a lot to uh, the way the Warriors built their roster. With, yeah, like in this sure. the draft, a lot of young talent. Yeah, definitely. Um, Even the structure of the team too. And I've, we've spoken about this a little bit already. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just think I just think if um, if Reddish is putting that kind of pressure on, yeah. this is where Atlanta and Golden State differ because uh, Golden State and Steve Kerr in particular gets players to buy into the system. Yeah, um, everyone will get their shot. The, the ball moves with the energy to get to get the best shot for the team. Yeah. And that that kind of – and it is a selfish view on the game yeah. from someone. Like, and, look, he's a young player. Cam Reddish wants his crack, wants his opportunity. Yeah. Um, but it clearly doesn't have that same um, – we'll call it the Warriors uh, ethos of the ball, ball energy will get the best shot yeah. on the floor. He wants some more shots. He wants yeah. some, more, some more time. Yeah. And, um, look – the, the Knicks are not having the greatest of seasons. Definitely so not. I, I think he might actually thrive in New York. I think if you're sort of reflecting this back to like hobby value, I would mm. still sort of tread in the Cam Reddish area carefully because the Knicks have got a very full roster of maybe equally talented people because probably well, at this stage of his career. And a history of making bad decisions, remember. Yeah, so. yeah that too. So, you know, if you're – if you're, you know, if the cup is half empty, you would say mm. well, Alec Burks is going to get some of his shots in his time. Derek yep. Rose is going to get some of those shots in his time. For if sure. you are a conspiracy theorist and a very cup half full guy, which is where I think this gets super fun. Yes. If you put Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, and Cam Ooh. Reddish, all Dukies onto the same team, this Ooh. becomes super delicious and, you know, the tastiest pre-trade trade that, you know, could ever been done. And I like this trade purely for that reason. For the next 18 months, we get to speculate about Zion going to the Knicks. So, this is, um, yeah, yeah, big speculation, big speculation. I, yeah, let's now, start the rumors. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a bit. That's a that's a, a small a potential big three. If these guys <laughs> evolve into the stars they were drafted with the prospect of becoming. So, yeah. imagine that New York just out of nowhere. I think we need to get on the trade machine and see if we can move Randall for Zion in some type of like you know package once he's back to LA. That's once he resigns, that'd be awesome. We want, we want Randall back in Los Angeles. Trade him for AD. <laughs> I'm I'm really anti AD this week, aren't I? That's well, not tinfoil hat theory, though. The, the yeah, theory guys, is, yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. 
This is true. But um, look, uh, look, getting all the Kentucky boys together is going to be – so the Duke boys together, the Kentucky yeah. boys, Randall. Yeah, I don't know. Three three players from the from the same system on a big team. Look, uh, look, you're right. Go eat, go with cautious, cautious uh, views with Cam Reddish. But New York is a big franchise, and um, if he can make a name for himself there, value wise, this yeah. could be one. Of, hey, wait, we'll, we'll we'll go back and we'll call it the bowl bowl. <laughs> no, if you're buying Reddish at the moment, I'm totally fine with that. He's yeah. still young. He's still a good young prospect, mm. and he was highly, highly recruited coming out of high school. Um, in college was put into a situation where he had to share the ball and then, you know, he yeah. went to Atlanta where he was with an extremely, you know, ball-dominant guard. Like, I don't think, you know, if you're trying to make the argument to me that it's too early to give up on Reddish, like, I'm I'm totally fine with that. So okay. if you put Reddish into a hold or a buy pattern, you know, that's fine for me. What about Kevin Knox? Where do you put him at the moment, buy, hold, or sell? Oh, Kevin Knox. It's a tough one. Atlanta, where does he – my question is now where, where he fits in Atlanta. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Atlanta's – I think Gallo's time there is going to be limited. I yeah. think that once this like big deal ends, and I'm pretty sure it's at the end of this year, mm. I think they're going to rejig around their rotation. So I could kind of see Knox becoming like an eighth or a ninth man if he re-signs yep. for a small contract. You know, I could kind mm. of see that playing out. I'm personally okay. holding all my knocks at the moment. I'm not in any rush to sell it because yep. I just think at the moment he's as depressed as he's ever going to be. Is he a buy though at, at this time? I would probably say that is extremely risky if you're looking to buy into him to, you know, to flip. Yeah. I mean, a- well, that's the thing. Like what, Kevin, a Kevin Knox, sorry, we'll say what, silver PSA 10. Yeah. Actually on the up a little bit, last sold for $36 US. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah. Previous to that was twenty six. So the the silvers are not See, overly that, that to me so thirty six US dollars for a silver PSA ten, did you say? Yeah. Silver PSA ten. That's really interesting. That's actually a lot higher than what I was expecting. Now now this is up over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh we were sitting around so just for normal base was six dollars seventy back uh a week ago. Sure. You could pick up a at the start of January. You could pick up a Kevin Knox silver for twelve dollars US. Yeah. Um, so over the last uh, over the last three weeks. Yeah, I think twelve to twenty is sort of where you want to be spending. I think thirty six yeah. to me is a little bit high for my taste. Is that, is that, is that people speculating? Uh, is that like people speculating on the um, on the trade on the back yeah, of the I, trade? I think there is speculating that he's going to get more playing time. Hmm. Mm. I mean, we get to see what he's made of, but I don't know if it's worth the extra couple of dollars. So if you can pick him up for around that sort of $15 mark. Yeah, I'd say um, 25 max. Yeah. Your, yeah. Look, look now, Cam Reddish has already sort of seen a bit of a, a decline. He, he's under 200, uh, under 200 US for his last sold uh, silver prism, PSA 10. And it was last sold a couple of days ago, 197. Interesting. So, no, over the last three months, he's down forty three percent. So obviously, with the lack of court time in Atlanta, he's yeah, um, he slid a lot. He slid. So it might be an opportunity. It's a bit more of an investment as we talk about multiple uh, multiple price points. I'm not buying British for two hundred bucks, man. Yeah, I think I think you want to see New York uh, fumble around a little bit more. Yeah. See that drop below one fifty, and then you say, "Oh, that might be tempting." Let's let's revisit this in three months. Honestly, like, yeah. I think yeah. yeah. That's 
Look, yeah. if you're looking for something, if you do want to get into the reddish market, not that we're saying to get in, uh, but you can pick them up from anywhere from like 18 to 30 US for a base PSA 10. Okay. Yeah. Given what it costs to get a card graded these days, Sounds I will happily much more delicious, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll pay 30 bucks to get a graded 10. Yeah. If I know the uh, result. But yeah. All right. All right. What else has happened? It's not not a lot. I'm sure we'll have more trade news as uh, as as things evolve over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think this show is very sort of card news orientated. So I think next yeah. week we'll get more into like specific players and cards. I think because this week is very sort of heavy politics and you know news outside of the hobby. I suppose you could say. Yeah, there's um there's a lot going around. Well, we'll yeah. do we want to start with um I suppose it's not a bad story, um for once. Our lovely friends at HGA aren't in the spotlight for doing for any anything bad. Yeah. Um, horizontal slabs. Yeah. So why don't you tell the maybe listeners who aren't that familiar with HGA, like what they made their, I suppose, chops with? Like why is HGA sort of hybrid grading approach? Um, yeah. so they're they're using a lot of um, artificial technology, like artificial intelligence to for the grading process. Yeah. Uh, which is which is an interesting approach, uh, yeah. a new approach. Uh, of grading and there's it's been it's been met with some criticism let's definitely be, let's be frank and i think look i the hobby has a lot of negativity uh in it and there are there are a lot of instigators of, of said negativity so I, i'm not going to go down all the mistakes and the and the um the cards that they've graded that weren't genuine and like people nitpicking i think it's an interesting approach to grading and for one thing their their tags look really nice yeah they're a little bit more for a collector like for a collection they're not your plain black and white tags and i know there are a lot of collectors out there that do like the very simple structured library book approach yeah this is not that this is i want my collection to pop they've got some really nice i suppose tags that match the card yeah so you can color match them and you can also customize your your tag so correct and that's where they really became in my mind, where they became a lot more prominent in terms of the yeah. card collecting space. Yeah. yeah, they drew they drew some attention to themselves for being different, and yeah. and and I do like that. Like in in this kind of industry, if everything's the same, you want to stand. You've got to find a way to stand out. Yeah, and um, HGA sort of they've done that. They've got a different way of grading, and they've, they've found also got their niche one hundred percent. A unique way to their slab tags. So, yeah. and I think it's great. But yeah, the the, the next part is. Because the one thing we don't normally see is uh, those horizontal cards. Yeah. So now they've got horizontal slabs, and this is their yeah. new, you know, release in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. What's your thoughts about a horizontal slab? I'm trying. To, I'm actually having a quick look at, at my cards. I've got, I've got a Kobe that's that's horizontal, and it's in a, it's, it's BGS graded. Yeah. And it's it's the BGS tag is on its side because I display the card horizontally. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not getting it regraded. Uh, <laughs> no way. From BGS to HDA. Yeah. Uh, if BGS, you do, wait, 9.5 pop nah, three. No one's doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's that's not. That's not. That's not going to get regraded. But it would look great if the the BGS tag was um, displayed the way the card was. Yeah. And I and I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. I, I personally think that this is the type of idea that other companies will copy. Yep. It's a bit like Snapchat, how all that technology now is built into like every single other, you know, chat program. Oh, you like, mean YouTube, YouTube, what are they called? Shorts. Yeah. That I keep calling TikToks. <laughs> like 
their Instagram reels or I'm learning about all this technology stuff, but so, they're all the same product. Yeah. And also I kind of feel like why haven't other companies, you know, done this already? So yeah, I think it's almost so obvious, like why hasn't this been done already? So good for them to like, you know, bring it into fruition. Just to do it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a shout out, in terms of who broke this down the best, in my opinion, yeah. if you go onto YouTube, Dan the Cardman, all one word, he did a really good, you know, video on this and definitely you should check out some of his stuff. Yeah, we'll put the link yep. to the uh, to the YouTube video in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, so sure. Anyone Why that wants to check it out. Yeah, yeah. But Alrighty. it's um, it, it, it's a little bit more expensive though, which I don't think it's really much. Five bucks more, isn't it? Five bucks more. Yep. Five bucks to get your tag, this slab tag, to actually yeah be in line with the card. That's fair enough. Seems good to me. Yeah. Actually, I've got it ungraded, Kobe. That's an interesting one. Maybe I maybe I'll I'll, I'll send it off to HGA. Closing statements. Hoops hobby. Hoops. It's out. Hoops. Um, so it's a super weird release schedule this year where we're still getting last year's rookies coming out now, and now we've got this year's rookies coming out halfway through the year. So in terms of mm. release schedule and all that type of stuff, like I'm I'm still really confused about everything. Like we haven't seen Prism Draft yet, and normally you'd see Prism Draft by now. Yeah. And for me, I'm kind of I'm a bit bummed out by that because I, I really enjoy Prism Draft. Like, yep. I'd probably rather buy Prism Draft than Hoops, but that's just, you know, my personal, you know, choice because they're kind of in the same sort of like price bracket. I think last yeah. week we were talking about give Hoops to kids and let Hoops be for kids. But <laughs> yes. They have done Hoops so well this year that I don't think it is going to be a, a kid's product. I probably suspect... You know, last year we saw this huge decline in like sealed boxes around mm-hmm. this time. Like, we're not going to see that this year. I, I'm you sort like of the new hoops product. I, I just think the way that they're being received and the way the current resale is at the moment, I, I just think that the boxes are going to just like slide up a little bit. I don't think it's it's going to be like a couple of years ago where it's going to be three x, four x, five x. Definitely not that, but you might see a ten percent, fifteen percent increase over the next couple of months, and yeah, it's just. I, to be honest, I think mostly it's because they've just done it so well. Like it's just really, That's a really nice, nice. looking set. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. autographs are great. Yep, the inserts are really good again, and again they've put a lot of effort into the actual like you know base cards, which does appeal to a particular type of collector. Yep. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of movement on um on a lot of the the the, the trade and the selling the buy sell trade pages. Yeah, people trying to move rookies. Um, speaking of which, have you had any luck selling a Hoops Lamello rookie for five dollars? <laughs> uh, I didn't. Um, I didn't keep my promise. You've, you've, <laughs> you've, you've called me out. I. Do you know what? Actually, I did run a sale today, and I didn't even. Oh, I didn't even. Put, oh no! It's okay. It's, I can still rectify this. Can, I can. can I'll try and dig Lamello. one out and chuck it in. See if That's I get five it. See bucks if you can get five bucks for it. Yeah. Um. I guess that that. In a nutshell, is is what I I feel like happens with this product though. That's the only reason I brought up the Lamello for five yeah. bucks, because um, yeah. people are flip, trying to flip giddies for for thirty forty bucks. Yeah, and it's that week one hype. It's the first rookie card. Yeah, um, is it is it one of those? I know it's the first wave of Wookie, uh, Wookies, rookies. Wookie cards. Yeah, yeah. Wookie cards. No, yeah. this isn't the. This isn't. We're not talking Logan Paul yet. But yeah, the, the first wave of rookies. But are these going to be worth the same amount of money in two months' time when we've got Prism? Like- no, definitely. No, definitely they're not. Particularly base and yeah. 
space cards that aren't even parallels. You're like yeah. 100%. So, yeah, definitely what you're saying is 100% correct. You know, be wary buying into that. In yep. saying that, um, autographs and autographs that are numbered, I think I you know, that's okay to, you know, open up your your book a little bit more, particularly if you really enjoy the pattern or you really enjoy the colors that's coming onto the cards. Because, again, yeah. I think they've gone to a lot of effort this year. And the autographs, look they look great. Yeah, the, so, the autos do look good. I, I think my my advice was more to the um, any new new collectors, the the wannabe flippers. Yeah, don't buy into the hype. You'll you're just going to do your dough. Or if you um, do, flip quick. Flip very quick. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's a very very volatile market this time of year, especially with new products coming out regularly. Yeah, and um, look, hoop. There's always hype around a new set. Hoops is the first first release of the new season. Yeah. So um, enjoy. There's a lot of beautiful cards. Yep. Um, as you've said, Russell, the, the the autographs look great. But um, I mean, yeah, there's some pretty cards. Get what you get what you would like. Um, but th- this is definitely not um, the investment level of of like Prism or or any any no. other end product. No, but it's very affordable at the moment too, and yep. I think. You know, maybe Which is a lot of fun. Yeah, get to crack yeah. some packs. Yeah, definitely. And I'd also say too, I think you know the criticism has been the last couple of years that your ROI when you're going to breaks has been you know quite poor. Mm-hmm. And I think actually in the last twelve months that has gotten a lot better. And maybe this year actually we're seeing, dare I say it, actually a good ROI if you're going into yeah you know randoms even PYTs because the prices have been pretty reasonable. Yeah, and then. You know the resale has been you know pretty strong, so I think that's that's kind of an interesting thing that maybe this is something that we're going to see a little bit more of this year's you know reasonably priced stock, and then you know some nice singles. Yeah. All righty, let's move on from that. All right, the next next uh, section is about card porn as an entity, but it's also about their reporting on the Dallas Card Show, and. There was actually, when I say the Dallas Card Show, there was actually two incidents that happened around that. And I think today we probably just talk about one just for, you know, timing, but also to, you know, how much sort of negativity do we need to sort of, you know, bring onto the show. But the one that I did want to discuss is it was uh, reported by Cardporn and a few other different aggregators, I suppose you could say. And essentially it was about, it was video footage that surfaced of a man at the Dallas Card Show. Yep. And the reporting at the time was that he had fake cards in possession. Yeah. And that he was arrested because of that. And the footage of him being apprehended to me is is quite confronting because as it turns out he was completely innocent and he didn't possess counterfeit cards. Counterfeit goods or stolen goods or anything like that. Yeah. And I'd probably also say to I've always wondered in the back of my mind how I would react in these particular situations when I'm being false, falsely accused in public. Because you always sort of think to yourself, mm. why don't these people just stop resisting and just like cooperate with authorities and you'll work out the rest later? But that's There's the logical- be a level of shock. There's got to yeah, be a leg- level exactly of shock. Exactly, right? Yeah, like as far as, you know, everyone knows, this guy could be the most reasonable person that you've ever met. mm but the poor bugger was, you know, very publicly humiliated, you know, and arrested. So I suppose there's that part of it, you know, the human part. And there's also the part of card porn where they act as the judge, jury, and executioner because and they're 
they're an anonymous being. They haven't actually presented who they are and who's presenting all these facts and information. They do do a lot of fact-checking and cross-checking, and they also do a lot of underground policing within the community. Like, they were very publicly critical of HGA, telling them not to be grading Jordans anymore. But whilst I don't disagree with particularly what they're doing, I think with that type of power, you know, you do have to be, you know, incredibly careful with it. Well, su- yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Uh, we know yeah. these lines all too well. But, yeah, yeah, there's an ethical – there are ethical questions here about um, what card porn does. Definitely. Um, and I think that's been, like, played out. Yeah, yeah. And and this is the thing. If there's a level of anonymity to to who is behind card porn, yeah. um, that is – that's dangerous because yeah. – yeah, you're unmasking uh, people that are submitting fakes, or you're 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 bringing the truth to light, but you're also like accusing people sometimes falsely of things. Yeah, and in some ways, their behaviour is and is I can't say this word probably, but it's almost a form of anarchy. It's almost yeah. like being Batman, right? They're yeah, sort they're, of well, the cape crusader. So they're behaving like vigilantes and they're, yep. they're very um, – it, it's it's warmongering. Yeah. It's a, it's a real form of – like I understand that they're doing – there are good things that they do in the community. Don't, Definitely. don't get me wrong. Yep. Calling out people scamming others yep. is um Presenting is facts is important, yeah. But using that power – and occasionally making assumptions that that could um, could really embarrass or hurt people. Yeah. Um, and look, I think they were overly critical of, of HGA, and um, I, I feel like they pushed the slander the the boundaries of slander. Yeah, I mean, in that particular one with HGA, that really made me wonder who they are and their affiliations. Like that made yeah. me think they were either from someone from BGS. Yeah, or they're someone from PSA because they're trying to protect their business interests. Yeah, that, like, and that, to me, and that's right. But it could just be some some guy that just got a little bit too carried away. I don't. And think this so. is what we don't know. I think this person is incredibly well connected within the like the card community. And let's just hope it's not it's not actually a, like a big a big personality. Like it yeah. Is. So Mike from uh, trade trading cards nonsense card. What's the podcast they do uh, in the ringer? Yep, yep. So he says that he knows who they are. And Trading that makes card nonsense, is it? Yeah. Uh, That's the, the Simmons network one. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Give me two seconds. I'm just going onto my uh, my phone now. I'm, I'm cards and nonsense, isn't it? Sports cards and nonsense. All right. So, so Mike from that has basically said that he knows who they are. Yeah. And the way that he presented it on his podcast was, well, if they ever call me out inaccurately, I'm going to like expose this person. So that, again, makes me think there's someone who's, you know, they're not a nobody. All right, they're so it's a, not a first-time collector. Yeah, uh, there is somebody okay. within the industry that's using this platform to, you know, bring truth to the, you know, and save people from the bad guys, right? But I suppose I think the thing that I've sort of taken away from this the most is you need to be incredibly careful of what you believe and how you consume media. And it's it's look, I mean, I know that. Mm. I mean, I can't. I think a lot of us are smart enough to know that, that the internet is dark and full of terrors. But- yeah, and look, I come from a science background where you know the articles that I value and that I consume are all peer reviewed. You know, they're published by you know researchers that have followed a formula, and and then 
if it's published in a journal with its reputable, you the know the integrity that, of the, that's of the right. document is, and the yeah. data is there. So I suppose it's not like I'm um, blind to that fact, but it's probably also given me a really good wake up call because when I saw yeah. that, I, I believe that person was like a thief and a scammer. And it is if you're a, if you're if you're a, uh, a popular because because let's be real, a lot of people follow card porn on Instagram. There are and, thousands and on of Facebook. followers. Yeah. yeah. So all these followers. Yeah. And and they just see stories. Yeah. Now the way we consume social media is very is very quick. Yeah. And we we don't do a lot of fact checking. No. Um. And that's how a lot of this uh, social injustice, I guess, happens. Yeah. Uh. But this trusted source makes an accusation and and it's not all like if it's not true um it can be very very damaging yeah look um, i suppose to in their defense they did publicly apologize for it and they yep. did sort of you know send out a reducted you know post the next day or whatever and i suppose maybe to follow this up not that we have 200 mm. followers at this stage but that also, you know, we can reflect this onto ourselves too. And look, I would probably say my general personality type is very reluctant to throw shade at people anyway. Yep. But it's also probably a good reminder for, you know, us too as to, you know, be objective and Oh look, as and I think we we both preface a lot of the things we say, especially if we if I flippantly say go out and buy a card, I'm like not telling you to go out and buy a card. <laughs> I'm saying it's good value. But <laughs> but also if I if I think um, I like the way HGA's custom tags look. Yeah. I'm not telling you to grade with HGA. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm commenting on the positives. I'm, I, I weigh up the, the pros and the cons. Yeah. Card porn's done a lot of good things. Yeah. I just think some of the less good, or as some would say, controversial, poor, unethical things. Yeah. They've done a lot of speaking without thinking and it has consequences. And it's caught up with them today. I think that's like, this is yeah. the thing. To be fair, they've probably been doing this for a long time and this is like, yeah. you know, they've been caught with their pants down now. So, Yeah. 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 Uh, look, it's a it's a fine line you tread when you're trying to get clickbait, right? Yeah. And um, and we all know that the social media world we live in is, is rife with clickbait. Talking about clickbait, Logan Paul. Ha, 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 ha. That was oh, almost the most perfect segue we could have liked. Anything but G.I. Joe. Anything but G.I. Joe. So My God. We talked about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago and not a lot has been said in the interim. You know, yeah. he hasn't really made a whole lot more videos about it. He made a misleading video to say that, you know, I've lost $3 million or, you know, whatever mm. the amount was that it was. Yeah. But actually it turns out he was he was fully refunded by Shine. Yep. Um, the thing that was on the back of my mind was what happens now? Because not that I don't care about Logan Paul, but Logan Paul was the main person of this story just because of the narrative that was written. He wrote the narrative for himself. Of course. But actually, there's a lot more people who are in this chain. So Shine uh, purchased the box from Mealy Pops, which is a, a, a large trading card store. And Mealy Pops has made Shine... 100% whole. So they've refunded him fully. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what's also really interesting here is because we spoke about a lot about the person who did the grading of the box. It turned out there was an intermediately person who was involved in the transaction too. So there was somebody oh, wow. else involved that, you know, help get Mealy Pops and Shine in the same room together. So mm-hmm. that person has also been working in that space to sort of, you know, make Mealy Pops whole now too. So my wow. gut feeling though is because they bought it from the super dodgy listing that was on eBay. Um, I don't think they're going to be made whole. I think they've they've lost their 75K. They've, they've done their dough for sure. Yeah. But what's your sort of thoughts after, you know, hearing this a little bit more? Well, I, I'm, I was going to start searching eBay for how much if their price of G.I. Joe boxes have gone up. They've spiked. They've, they've spiked. Yeah, there's, yeah. Been a, there's been a spike on uh, yeah. G.I. Joe packs. Yeah. Um, look, it, it's, it is one of those, there's a lot of people involved. Um, and it's, it, it draws attention for me to how unregulated, and I keep using this term, the hobby is. Yeah. Um, like, so you, if someone's got, uh, I suppose, a lot of street cred in the industry and says, yep, that's authentic, people will take that word and, and take it to that point. Like this exchanged many hands um, on its way to being sold for, for three and a half million dollars. Yeah. So it's, it's just dangerous. Like this is a very, very extreme situation, but yeah, that's, it's huge money, but also too, I don't really feel as though that much, the appropriate due diligence wasn't done. Like (laughs) I find that very hard to believe that, they would spend that money in the very first place of someone on eBay with so few seller ratings. Yeah. Look, I, I do I do think there's uh, more to this than I, I feel like there are elements of this that have been staged. Um, I don't know if stage is the right word, but some, some things just don't add up and it's just like, let's get this fake box to draw some attention. It could be clickbait, especially if it's covered and everyone's been made whole. It's very interesting that everything sort of ended on a happily ever after on most, on most fronts. Yeah. I th- still think someone's um, going to be held like caught holding this bag though. That's my feeling. Do, is it something that, is it something that, um, that we'll hear about or will it be, will it like, will this grading company be, be held responsible with the third party that helped with the grading process is something how do these people get held accountable? Is, I suppose is my question. I mean, their argument's going to be that oh, we can still you know authenticate baseball and basketball. We just don't know how to do TCG, Pokemon. right? That that would be you know my, my question would be that. why did you do it in the first place? I mean, the video that came out of them doing it seemed for me, and I'm not an authenticator. It seems sketchy as anything. Like again, yeah. I don't know why such lack of due diligence is being made. I mean, for me personally, if someone doesn't have 10 eBay ratings, I won't purchase from them at all. And then when I'm selling, I put that same filter on so that these people can't even see my listings. So, yeah, you know, why on earth they made this enormous purchase on something that they thought was so potentially valuable? Like that's like buying a Jordan rookie of someone with an eBay feedback rating of three. Yeah, it just stinks, right? Come on, it's got to be 23. Let's be real. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it for a steal. I paid half a million dollars for a piece of cardboard. This yeah. guy's credible. He's got a hundred percent feedback rating. Yeah. So, I mean, 
like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this. We sort of said this is like the biggest scam ever in sports. Actually, it turns out there's been some people with integrity here that have, you know, made things come right. So I suppose, you know, if we come full circle, you know, what's the lesson that's been, you know, learned here? Well, I mean, do your due diligence. And also, too, I think um, these people that authenticated that case without having that intricate and very specialized knowledge mm. have really exposed themselves. And it really does, you know, serve to purpose that, you know, I know basketball. I know absolutely nothing about baseball. So don't even ask me about values and card values and authenticating yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. And these people should have known their, you know, what where their lane was. So yeah, they should have known the lane. Away. And really, you, you've got to know where. Um, like we're not talking small amounts of money. No, it's not like a baseball card company that they're like, oh, can you grade this basketball card that might be worth a thousand dollars? Yeah, this is. Tens of thousands. It's that became millions, and it's. I mean, look, I stress out about small amounts of money. So for me, I don't have the stomach for this type of someone stuff. Someone came is, up and asked this me is just to very well. something that was worth millions of dollars. This is just banana world for me, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. would, I, I wouldn't be. Able, I don't, I don't think I would um, have the cojones to no to unequivocally say something is authentic. If I knew nothing um, about was, it. Yeah, exactly. If it wasn't a product I was extremely familiar with. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I don't know. I, I don't think this is the last we've heard of the, um, of, of, what do we call it, the Logan Paul G.I. Joe fiasco. Well, I think, with the, again, the way that media is presented these days, I actually think it could be because, like, I had to really Dig. search to find out whether Shine got refunded or not. You know what I mean? And even that was, you know, 10. This lead, this, but this is where the clickbait side of it is. If, yeah. if we don't hear anything, does that mean this person just got away scot-free? No, I definitely don't, you know, think it's like, over. But in terms of. Free, but like, I don't know. My conspiracy hat just goes on and I think it's staged. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and some people, you know, suggested that. Yeah. That's a really good marketing ploy. I don't. Th- I don't think so, though, because the money actually exchanged hands. Like it went through lawyers, and it went through mm. escrow, and it went through like the process that they said in terms of you know refunding Shine his money. It, to me, it sounded legitimate, like and very convoluted. I would assume. No, Mealy Pops to me seems like you know a decent business person. It just okay. seems to me that either they took a risk that was you know, stupid or they received really bad advice, you know, to sort of proceed. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's a, it's a really tough one. Yeah. Speaking right. of other fiascos. Oh, God. Essentially a very large card store in America marks cards. They would accept people's submissions to send to PSA. Yep. And his sales pitch was that he can literally walk down the road and drop the cards into PSA. So that gave him a competitive edge and it also made him appealing to people that, you know, wanted to sub their cards. Cool. Lives next door to PSA. Sweet. Yeah. Send you my cards and drop his, them off next door. His business model was mixed. He would collect some of the fees up front from people yep. and he would sometimes accept the fees for the grading afterwards. Okay. And his business went bad. So when PSA sent him three hundred thousand dollar bills, he was unable to pay that fee, which left collectors in a very difficult situation of PSA contacting them to collect the fees from people when they'd already paid Mark's card. So essentially, then you're paying double grading fees. 
mm-hmm. or PSA could crack them and then return them to collectors at postage price. Wow. Um, when they identified this issue, which seems to have surfaced sometime in November mm-hmm. last year, yep. they halted all of the other grading of those cards and then just began to return them to people as best as they could. So in terms of making people whole and making people, you know, complete PSA have gone above and beyond. And they've also taken Mark's cards out of the equation. And I believe the reason they've done that is so that Mark's cards can't misappropriate the cards. Cause essentially we're talking, when we say cards, we're talking mm. about money, right? And yeah, people yeah. have submitted, you know, thousands of dollars cards. Well, it's where, not cheap to submit cards in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Where the story gets like super shady for me is the volume of cards that he submitted. So, there's some talk that he's up to a million dollar bill. And if you work that out at say 150 to $200 a card, like the volume of cards that this guy is submitting is, is just insane. And I think from my perspective, as someone who's the smallest potato in the, in the ocean, like that to me is like, those numbers are just staggering. Like, how do you get to those, you know, numbers and sort of, you know, do that. But, you know, that's, a, I suppose, a story for another day. But where, again, the story for me, this is where it probably gets worse, is that another card consignment grader called Ryan and his Instagram handle is Card Collector 2. He was using Mark's cards as a middleman and his customers didn't know about this. So essentially, he had wow. paid his fees up front to Mark's cards, which tallied up to 100K. Whoa. And then- to make his customers whole and make his customers right, he then had to go to PSA and pay the hundred thousand dollars to get those cards back. So he wow. put out a very lengthy Instagram video, about 20, 22 minutes, and he went yeah. through everything and he explained it all. But he also reclaimed a further five thousand cards from PSA that hadn't been through the grading process. And then wow communicated with his customers and sent them all back. So, um, you know, we're just talking about huge amounts of money here and huge volumes of cards. And again, that sort of like, you know, makes my brain a little bit sort of pickled too. And I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago in terms of, you know, the volume of cards and how many cards are going to PSA and how many cards are coming. Yeah, I was going to say they have really, they've done their, um, their their by the numbers thing for this month on Instagram. So yeah. Grats to PSA, go and check that out. But but what the things we were talking about, yeah, it's I mean, there's a double-edged sword here. There's there's the other question of when PSA grades the cards and it costs them more money. And that but I just oh, I've seen things on the internet where people are like, is it safer for you to send the cards off yourself or yep. or get a third party to do it? And this yep. this says just do it yourself. Screams just do it yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. But just it, you're right. The volume is insane. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, do, they don't do any prep work. Like I, I know there are people uh, here in Victoria that that do PSA subs. Um, you can say their names. It's okay. No, well, Lane, Lane uh, sends cards off. Yeah. Um, so he's he's Lane Pierce does PSA grading Australia. I think. Yep. 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 And he also uh, has a website, 130point.com. Yep. He's done some YouTube videos on cleaning up cards, how to best submit them, takes submissions to, to send off to PSA. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, as a as a well as a business owner, I would I would advise against spending money that customers have given you for a service. Yeah, um, that is not best practice, especially when we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, Can I be honest with you though? I'm actually not that shocked to hear this. Because like I understand, well, I understand banks. You know what I mean? Like banks spend people's money that's invested and things. Yeah, but, but in the last twelve months, like things have gone backwards, like fifty percent. So if yeah. you if you spent a million bucks on stock sealed boxes, yeah, and now they're worth five hundred k. Like, why haven't I? I don't reckon this is the only person who's done this. Oh. Yeah, that's, because that, that, that's yeah, that's that's even bigger. Um, I'm because I look, yeah. why you know why wouldn't other people have done this? Like it's do you know what I mean? It's too easy for them to do because it's just because it's just the the money's printing itself, so to speak. Yeah, and the waiting list is twelve months, right? So you, like, but we you also can, know, but we you can also steal know someone's money. Saying, you can steal someone's money, and twelve months later, you still don't know the money's been stolen. Oh, this is yeah. This is that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, if you, if this person's intent is to stay open as a business, taking this money at this point and not having it aside or ready to pay. Yeah, we all know what PSA do, and they grade they they grade the cards and then they ask for more money. Well, they ask for money after they grade. Yeah, yeah. So I think if I can just interject there for two seconds. So you you spoke about does this guy want to keep operating marks? So. Sports Cards and Nonsense called him up on their podcast and he actually answered the phone and he didn't even know like the number that it was. The way that he spoke to them, I strongly suggest everybody listens to the last episode of Sports Card Nonsense where they interview this guy. The way yeah. that he spoke was so cavalier. Again, I already said this on this particular the episode. Scream scam. <laughs> well, I freak out if I'm, you know, if I'm ten dollars short or fifty bucks short or a hundred. You know, this guy's yeah. what, a million bucks down. And he didn't even seem to me like he was upset or stressed about it, which if I was scammed by this guy, like that scares me to death. Yeah. You know? And then- Is this the last, ep- the, the most recent episode? Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, I listened to it yesterday or, or the day before. Like it was- um, Yeah. Right, yeah it, it. It's quite it's quite confronting. And then I think the other thing that you're speaking about then in terms of PSA collecting money, and this is a question I actually wanted to present to you. So- I think this incident is going to change the way that grading occurs. Yeah. Well, I, we, I spoke about this when we were talking about BGS versus PSA. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm like, BGS were great for me because it was always a flat fee. Yep. You pay your fee, you go and yep. you send your card off, it gets graded, it comes back. Yep. Versus you estimate what the card might be worth, they send yep. it off, they get it graded, comes then back they say and no. it's worth something else. Yep. Uh, now you've got to pay a set amount of money. So what do you think PSA is going to do to um, protect themselves from this in the future? Pre-grading fee. Yeah, because that's what I reckon is going to happen too. So I I thought that's how it worked. No, I thought you had to pay the fee based on what you thought it was worth. Nothing. And then, yeah, nothing is paid up front. So, like, use Lane as an example. Actually, let's not use Lane as an example because I don't want (laughs) to. No, I I don't want it to be like we're signaling out Lane because we're not. Yeah. So let's let's just say that your mate runs a a sub service, okay? Yep. And he sent off a thousand cards. Yep. So it's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work, but also too, it's like a lot of money to 
lodge up front mm-hmm. and then to have not that money come back for another 18 months. And again, we've spoken about this in terms of like- 18 why, months is a long time. Yeah, yeah. Why has card collecting slowed down so much? Well, because so much money has been taken out of the community because people's cards are away. And they're not coming back to sell. Right? Oh, yeah. I've invested all this money in getting my cards graded and I haven't got my cards back. So yeah, yeah fair point. And, yeah, right. And so it's the same thing with someone like your mate who's sending off cards to be graded. Like, well, how long can he sustain that business model for? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not being sensible about this and also pragmatic to the fact that, well, now it's going to be- you Well, if you charge money. your customers for an upfront amount- Yeah. And that's maybe that's really what's going to change, isn't that it? That money needs to be- like, and the, and what's happened here is Marx has effectively gone. She'll be right when I, when 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 the debt needs to be settled and spent the money. Who knows what he was thinking, so man? The, like, but the money yeah. isn't there when the chickens have come home to roost. No, definitely. But I suppose when what, the bills due, like the money should have been set aside. No, definitely. But what I'm trying to say to you is what what impact do you think this is going to have on the hobby community? You know, moving forward in terms of getting your cards graded. I think people are going to be very wary before they send the cards off to a to a group that does subs. Yeah. Simple I as that. Think, I think it's going to be a prepaid thing from now on, just like BGS. Yep. So you pay $50. Um, and say, oh, no, BGS is not prepaid. Because when I sent my cards to BGS, I filled in my credit card details on the piece of paper, and then afterwards they billed me. I have ideas on this. Yeah, talk to me. The way we know the world works at the moment, right? Yeah. Postage is not the most reliable why wouldn't you have an exclusive deal with a with a with an international courier? Why would you not charge them the postage and then send out a return envelope to submit your cards? I don't think I, I do, but I, I don't think that's kind of like the issue here. But you so you take your prepayment. Prepayment's yep. got to happen. Okay, so you're saying that's a done deal. I, you've got to. Okay. Yep. Sure. Because PSA lose millions of dollars if this is not the case. Yeah. You can't collect. You're sending people cards. What you're going to hold them in escrow until you get paid your postage? It's yeah. It's it's messy. Yeah. Without prepayments, it's messy. Yeah. Because look, and if it goes down for whatever reason, then you go. Um, you've got a deposit. You have got a prepayment. You go. Well, that will take the cost of postage out of that and send your cards back. Yeah. Sure. Right. So you're saying it should be even a more inclusive thing where you're paying for the grading fee up front. You're paying for postage there and you're paying for postage back. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. We're dealing with a lot of expensive bits of cardboard. Yeah. Like extremely expensive bits of cardboard. Yeah. And look, I'm, I'm sure that there are people out there that like Logan Paul that don't see a $10,000 card as something that, that that's chicken feed. If you yeah. want to buy GI Joe cards for three and a half mil. Yeah. Well, that's um, it, right? But if I want to get a, a card that I think is worth $10,000 graded, it's a, it's a lot of work and a lot of trust that I'm putting in the postal service, insuring that card, tracking, et cetera. Like do you imagine having, if you had a gold bar, right, that was worth 10 grand and you had to post that to the bank to put it in a safe. You know what I mean? Look, would there be any form of security taken first? I don't know. I just, it's too much money to be, to be not, having security deposits and prepayments and I'm pretty sure some people would try and put that in a plain white envelope to be honest mate like a dollar 10 stamp all good that's what I did with all my Kobe rookies just plain white <laughs> envelope just straight no um in fact I used other Kobe rookies as padding and just <laughs> shipped them off um yeah so it's- I- 
I think you're trying to say at the moment it's very hodgepodge and this particular incident has shined the light on the in the inefficiencies of the system. Is that what you're yeah, trying to say? It, that's that's really what I'm trying to say. And you know what? Yeah. I'm going to start a protest and a petition saying regulate the hobby. Yep. You should get All a T-shirt. Facets. You should yep. get a T-shirt for this. Regulate the hobby. That's it. Yeah. And so Luba said this when he bought Fanatics, didn't he? He spoke about like and you come to this place and it's an all-in-one thing where you can get grading, you can get sealed, you can get singles. And I think it takes all these cowboys out of it. And well, I think well, that- are you going to go to to Joe Blow down the road now? Look, I we we we've had um, we had Charlie from Cherry on previously. Now they they do submissions. Yeah, I trust Cherry, but they take payment up front, and so do BGS. No, nah, BGS doesn't take payment up front; they take it afterwards. Oh, I, they've I think, changed, have they? Uh, they used to take it up front. Uh, I don't think so. You pay when you subbed it. Your credit card gets debited at the end. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay, because it's a final value thing now. It's not a flat fee. But but irregardless, I, I think the way that Cherry does it is more so that the process for them is, is is streamlined. So it's like here's you know you give them the card, you give them the money, they post it off. Yep. It, it comes back, they return it to you. Done deal. You're not chasing people for money, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I think that's more the practicality of there, like Cherry's process. But it's it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have for a tangible asset? A structured way this is handled. Yeah, and and we're not talking fifty cent cards. Like we're not talking the dollar bin. We're not talking like kids trading day at the local primary school. We're we're talking some expensive stuff. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's be just- interesting to see if they change their policy on cards that haven't been logged. So, for example, if you mm. sent them in three months ago and they've been sitting in the waiting pile. Yeah. Do they then? send you a bill now so to kind of like, you know, get the process started. Like I think that's going to be super interesting because again, like I'm not naming Lane, but if you use that as an example, so then mm. the liability comes back onto him, which is a lot I of money that then, gets held in escrow, I guess. Yeah. And then he has to then sort of, you know, chase people up for the like for the funds. And yeah. And I think the other thing that, you know, they brought up too with this whole sort of escapade is that in some instances, it's not worth people to pay the grading fee because of the way that cards have like tanked so much in the last twelve months. Because yeah, you know they're sending off bulk base cards, you know, at a pretty high rate, and then the graded card isn't worth what you're going to like flip it for in the current sort of market. So yeah, you know, I think if they're going to do that, that's going to put a lot of pressure on sort of people who are doing those submission processes and. Yeah. And to a, to an effect, like at the moment, the person who's taking all the liability is PSA. And and the thought that I had about that too was that we think that PSA is this money-making machine, but you don't make money on every single transaction. No. And here's an example, one example, where they're holding a bag of a million bucks and they're not even sure that the money's going to come into them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, we just assume that they're like printing money and like blowing their noses with it, but it's it's mm. really hard in business to make money, you know? Yeah, yeah this is true. It's very, very true. Uh, yeah. But I uh, look, as I said, this is this is just another another book in the catalogue, I guess, of uh reasons we need to regulate this hobby. Yeah, another um, way to get scammed too, man. So Yeah. And and how do you protect yourself from it? Look, I don't think there's a you know a do it yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's like that's one way. Or trust the people that like understand the process, understand that there's risks yeah. with everything, but it's a mathematical 
Look, I don't think any of Mark's Mark's cards cards customers knew about it. I don't think any of card collectors, you know, customers knew about it. And, you know, how you mitigate and manage that risk, you know, I I don't have the answer for that. I mean. Yeah. But it's it's definitely, um, it raises a lot of red flags. Yeah. And um, it just goes to show you just really buy beware, shy of doing it yourself. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really difficult. Look on on the um the feel good part of this story is yeah. Um, let's let's try and end go, this episode on a bit bit of a card high collector note. to Ryan. Look, he um yeah, he went cut. above and beyond. He, he made everything right. Yeah, yeah, to and really to, to help out the people. He was that that he he'd um taken fees from. Yeah, and that was his perspective too. That he wants to be doing cards, you know, for the rest of his life. So. This was yeah. something he had to do to, you know, to make right. So yeah, a plus for that guy. I yeah. mean, he. Sh- Why wasn't this guy subbing his cards himself though? That part I don't understand. Like, if you've got a hundred thousand dollars worth cut- of sub fees, you surely have got enough to get your own account with PSA. I don't get that. Yeah, yeah, true. He might he might have just been piggybacking on the back of a card store and going, you know what? Maybe I'll get priority if I go through the card store. But why? But if you're doing a hundred k worth of cards, yeah. Right. Why? Yeah. If mm. you can send two in yourself, like why not? Yeah, why not? Why do can't it? you do a hundred K? I'm sure I'm sure Ryan uh learned a very, very valuable lesson. And if he didn't learn one, um he bloody well should. He must have had some sleepless nights, man. That oh, would have been, oh, look, uh, look, that would have been sure horrifying. Lot, imagine that, like waiting eighteen months and then being told you were part of a scam and you're not getting your card or you, you, your cards are coming back and they haven't the been. The person you've gone into business with has gone bankrupt. Yeah. So you gotta pay again graded again. Yeah. Wow. At least you guys, you'd just be praying to get your cards back. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's not. He, look, he said that publicly that he has made every one of his customers right. So, you know what okay. I mean? Like he has, that that part's been taken care of. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. That. But yeah, anyone that hasn't heard it, go on to, um, what is it? The Sports Card Nonsense podcast and listen to it's, the latest episode. That it's was- must listen. Like it is actually horrifying. It's like a podcast about true crime and you hear the the serial killer talk. Like yeah. this is what I had like sort of flashbacks to. This guy is just cool, calm, collected a, and just he's a has no remorse. Yeah. 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 Just yep, like, no remorse. Yeah. They should have got Ryan on the show. The follow up <laughs> um, next week. I mean, he did a twenty-minute Instagram <laughs> yeah. video. I think he said everything that he, you know, he needed to say. So, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, there are there are genuinely good people out there that make things right, and um, props to Ryan. All right, so let's end the show on a feel-good story. So let's talk about all-star selections. Yes, LeBron uh, James, the number one vote getter by a lot too. Like we're not talking. Like the closest person in second place is Steph, and he's eight hundred thousand votes behind. The washed king is being voted into the All Star game. Yeah, probably because he's not as washed as everyone's made out. Who's your surprise for being getting a lot of votes? Uh, let's have a look. A lot of votes. Who are you like? Oh, I'm surprised that person's so high up on the list. Um, I would say. Where are we? Did, 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 did. Hmm. I'm just having a look at the east and the west. There's the only surprise in the in the west I see straight off the bat is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, but he's had a good. new lease on life in Golden State. 
I like that. I actually think that's like that's just paying the guys respect. For me, it's Demar yep. Derozan, four million one hundred and twenty-one thousand votes. He's leading all guards in the East. That to me is that's that is amazing. Um, by two million votes, nonetheless. Yeah, so he's leading Trey by two million. He's also got more votes than Zach Levine. Yeah, and for a basketball nerd like myself, I actually like this so much because that's actually respecting someone's game. It's respecting their career. It's not yep. paying, you know, respect to like flair and it's not paying respect to, you know, dunking or trash talking or whatever. Like, you know, it's actually paying respect to footwork, mid-range shooting, yep. team yep. defense. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I can't this get is, enough of that stuff. That to yeah. me is, you know, the best. Um, on the flip side of that, the person who I'm thinking, you know, why don't they have more votes Darius Garland. Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Why is he not starting? Don't give me that rubbish. (laughs) How could you interrupt me to say that? Come on, man. (laughs) Darius Garland, 343,000 votes. So maybe my head is like too stuck in, you know, card collecting world where to me Garland is like just, you know, pots of gold at the moment. This is true. Only 300,000 votes. Like... Look, you know, Cleveland is not a um, a big a big market. They're not, but they're super successful this year, and, and you know, to a degree, maybe Look, they're being Jared more successful. Allen's got votes, five hundred thousand votes. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I, I like that a lot. That's, um, um, there's some surprises there for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's going to be an interesting All Star. That said, you know what name is missing? Talk to me. Another Chicago player. I just make sure he is missing. It's probably because he's in, he's been injured. But where is Alex Caruso? <laughs> the people's player. I no, remember I think... when the two leading, like the leading vote getters, it was between like Taco Fall and Alex Caruso. <laughs> People were trying to vote to get those two into the All Star game. Um, <laughs> But yeah, look, you, you, that's actually just, a cool T-shirt. <laughs> you're not wrong with Demar though. Um, I, I think we've really been on on board, and and I've brought up a couple of reasons that I think that it's good that he's at in a big market. Yeah. Now, um, and it really shows that the people of Chicago and people outside the city of Chicago uh, have really got behind DeRozan, and yeah. uh, he's really deserving of all the accolades he's getting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really feel good story. Yeah, for so sure. let's try and turn this around into hobby value. Who do you think on this list is going to get the most amount of hobby boost from all of this? All right. So I my thought on this is if you are an established superstar and yep. you're in the All Star game, your hobby value is not affected. No, I couldn't uh, Le- agree more. I, I can we can go and check if LeBron James rookie cards have have moved. Yeah, I I doubt that's the case. Um, I, I think we're looking for people. This list is tricky. Um, is there anyone that's a standout for like their first first All Star game? I mean, Jar Morant is the obvious one. Jar, this is Jar's first. Yep. Uh, Lamelo. I mean, Jar and Lamelo are already relatively popular as far as their rookie status. Is Darius Garland 
already on an upward trend? Yeah, so he's he's already spiked. And in some ways, look, he still might go up a bit more, but I'd probably mm. also say in, you sort of missed the boat a little bit. Like he's yep. up, you know, nearly 4x in the All last right, few months. Card ladder. So you know, that's that's kind of a tough one. Uh, what about Miles Bridges? Is Bridges going to make the All-Star game? Nah, probably not. Yeah. Let's be real. I'm just looking at players on this list and and who gets – sorry, who gets – and there's, there aren't many players that – what about Wiggins? Yeah, see, that's the one I've been looking at and I think that particularly too because the last few years his hobby value has been so depressed mm-hmm. and I think part of it is because he came into the league as the number one pick you know, he had all the, you know, the physical tools, you know, to make things work and it didn't work out in Minnesota. I think that's being, you know, generous to say it like that. That's the most polite way that's been said. Yeah, but – and then sort of the comedy side of this too is that if you ever bought cherry pies in the last few years, like the sort of running joke was that 50% of the cards in there were like Andrew Wiggins' rookie cards that they couldn't sell in their store. So – if you've been buying cherry pies like the last few years and you're sort of like a bit disappointed with it, now if you sort of refresh your pages and the sold listings on, you know, Card Ladder, eBay sold, you actually might see like a nice little bit of an uptick there. Not a large sample size in terms of how many cards have sold for his silver PSA 10, but yeah, looking that's, at that. that's doubled in price. Yeah. And then his base... You know, the numbers are definitely there and there's definitely – that's trickled up in value too. So, he's yeah. up 40% on that. And I think – I probably think his prices where they are now is – that's about right. So, I wouldn't be, you know, running out to buy them and I definitely wouldn't be selling them. I think, you know, Wiggins is a very strong hold at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's a hold. He's definitely not a buy. Well, the thing is – well, yeah. Is he though? If you if you go out and buy him now, I definitely wouldn't criticize you. And the reason I wouldn't is because I personally believe that the Warriors are the the title favorite to win at the moment. And I think mm. if they win the championship and he's the starting small forward and he's the second best or the third best player on it, he'll get a again, he'll get a nice little bump in his hobby value. Yeah. Um if he gets named to the all star team as like a an injury reserve, which is entirely possible this year, just due to the fact that 40% of people are going to have COVID at some point. <laughs> um, I definitely don't think that's going to, you know, hurt his cause. I mean, look, he's got 2,600,000 votes. Like, that's that's very nice. Yeah. It's not that far from, you know, Jar Morant. But in terms of who's my number one with the bullet, it's, it's Jar. Because if he goes out in the All-Star game and he dazzles, dominates and dunks on people, wins the MVP... You know, you haven't got people routinely watching Memphis, seeing what this kid's doing, and then he's on the you know the national stage. Like I can really see that, you know, giving him a massive spike. Mm. What about I think- what about someone like um and the because when you said Minnesota, it got me thinking because Carl Anthony Towns is on this list. Yeah, does he seen a resurgence? Is he going to play All Star basketball? Like does but does it impact the hobbies? I suppose is the question. Look, is is Towns going to make the All Star team? Uh, he's in the mid range of the front court. Like he's in voting. 
He's probably he's, on the fringe. So he's not going to be the starting center. That's that's your. He's not going to be. Right? Yeah, it's Jokic. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's like that's not even like a. It's just the top three, isn't it? It's going to be LeBron, yeah. Jokic, and Wiggins, or PG maybe. And so then, then you got the, two guards. The Jar- backup, Jaren, Jaren, Steph. The backup would be Anthony Davis, but then he'll be out. Out. So then it'll be injury replacement. So it's either going to be Draymond or Towns. Yeah, because Melo's. Yeah. Right. So yeah. then. Do you pick someone like Draymond because he hasn't really had that much all-star love? And again, you sort of, you know, paying a bit like DeRozan, sort of giving him like his career respect. Yeah. I mean, Draymond does does deserve that for sure. And um, as much as the Wolves have been good this year, I, yes, Towns has been important, but I actually think the person who's going to drag that team into prominence is it's going to be Ant-Man. Yeah, Edwards I'm for standing sure. by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't. I don't discount that at all. I just think it's. I think it's interesting. And and look, Wiggins is definitely the standout. Um, but was was Wiggins on the radar before the All Star week? Uh, before the All Star voting? Not on my radar, but maybe if you're a bit more like tuned into that, into that space, like yeah, yeah you'd be eating this stuff up for sure. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one that, as far as how it impacts the hobby. That we check after All Star Weekend. Yeah, sure. Do you know we, what I mean? Like, there's a follow up to go. Yeah. All right. We thought these players looked good. Yeah. What's happened to their prices? Where have they trended since then? Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, DeRozan. I, I've I've been on DeRozan for a little while now. Yeah, you've definitely that, you were on that for sure. Um, Whereas I was the opposite. Like I was I was a hundred percent wrong about that when they signed him. I. Well, I when really he started did. performing, I'm just like, this is going to – I think Chicago might have found someone to get behind. Yeah. And 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 it feels like the collectors sort of agree. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's a similar colour scheme in the uniforms between Toronto and and Chicago, so it's not too bad if you get his rookie cards. Could be that. Maybe he's <laughs> just found the perfect coach, like Billy Donovan's the man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, but, yeah, DeRozan's done well. Great story. Um, we probably don't need to revisit his – his card prices because he is on the up. Um, but but Wiggins, if you pick one of those up for less than fifty bucks, just a base base prism would would not hold it against you. No, definitely not. And you'd probably be able to move it for around about the same, maybe a bit more. Yeah, look, I think for me, I think Jar is, you know, he's the conversation between him and Zion is not really a conversation anymore, and really, it's. it's um, yeah, get out of Zion as with as least damage as possible, and get yeah. on the jar. And now, does the conversation become Jar Morant versus Luca in terms of hobby value? And you know, wow, that's a big. Yeah, you're right. And then neck and neck, like well, not neck and neck. He's uh, Jar's leading by a long way on the guards, but Luca's the next man down on that list. Yeah, I think, it's, and he's had a down season. Let's let's be real. Luca definitely has had a down season, but I think you know. I don't think it's reasonable to compare, um, you know, all-star votes to like hobby value, but maybe this does capture this season, you know, really quite succinctly. Mm. And in terms of, you know, buying someone when they're still at a, you know, a good point or good value, like, you know, I think a couple of like weeks ago, I was kind of like a bit reluctant to say, well, do you buy into Jar now? Because he's up so much, but- Maybe this is still, you know, we're not at the peak of the mountain yet because no. this guy's got so much potential. I mean, yeah, some the ceiling people have, is definitely right up there. 
Yeah, and so, look, some commentators have said, you know, he's got MVP potential this season, like just for the fact of, you know, what he's done. I I don't think so. I think I, like yeah, the way that, that that's a bit Steph's of a, that's been a playing, <laughs> Jokic has been playing, you know, that's just like, you know, unbelievable. But maybe what another way of saying what they said was, well, then he'll be in the top five of MVP voting. He's up there. He is a yeah. contender for sure. Yeah. And is that important to hobby value? Maybe, mm, maybe not. Maybe, maybe but, not. Yeah, true. You know, what is the more important, you know, story to take out of that? Well, then, you know, he could be a future MVP and that's where you could, you know, really get some value back. And Yeah. It's um no, it's it's looking what what is the system for the All Star Weekend? Is it back to Team LeBron versus Team Wait? Yeah, so the person who gets the most votes out of each conference will be the um, Team LeBron versus Team KD at this stage. Yeah, but the starters is voted by the players, where they get a thirty percent weighting. Oh wow! Coaches get a vote, and the coaches or the assistant coaches. I think the assistant coaches do the head coaches vote, but they they get thirty percent weighting, so that adds up to sixty percent. And then the fans get a forty percent weighted weighted vote. So, and you brought up um, Caruso before, and essentially that's why they implemented that policy because otherwise you could have Taco Fall starting in the All Star game when yeah Embiid uh, should be starting, like he's having you know the best year of his career, right? <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't have wanted to see Taco Fall start in the All Star game? Come on, he can start great. in the G League All Star game, all right? I want to see Embiid. <laughs> Embiid has been destroying it. Oh God! You yeah. and it'd just be like, can we, can we nominate Muggsy Bogues for center of the All Star? I know game? you're trying to trigger me here. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to fall into your trap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it looks like it's going to be Team LeBron again. The only yeah. uh, player since his system's come in that's been captain every say every every year. Yeah, I think. And KD, and that's awesome. I think that's at, at the moment it's KD. It could be Giannis. Well deserved. Giannis might pip him at the post, but yes. The third ballot well, returns. It's uh, LeBron versus KD. And I don't know the answer to this. So I'm, I'm actually asking you. So Durant's got the most votes, but he's going to be out for the All Star game with his um, mm. strained MCL. So does that mean that Giannis becomes the captain, or is KD still the captain and then he like sits out the game? I hope Giannis just says, "I don't want to be captain," and DeRozan gets to be captain. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Imagine that, though, if they said it wasn't about each conference and they just made it Team LeBron versus Team Steph. Because he's got be, 6 million votes. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be able to take from both conferences anyway. Just yeah. the two highest vote getters. Um, yeah, uh, I think Giannis will probably... I don't no, think... Oh, KD will probably pick the team and then Giannis will be the captain on the day. That's what you think, is it? All right, I uh, need to fact check this. Yeah, I have no idea. I actually have no idea. Yeah. But they, they they should get Russell Westbrook into the All-Star game. <laughs> if Westbrook's an All-Star, that's a farce. Oh, come on. He he is the most competitive guy on All-Star weekend. He is so funny to watch. It's like watching Kobe. He actually cares about the All-Star game to the point where he'll compete for the MVP. But that... So, okay. Let's just say that Westbrook makes it. That means... Someone out of this list has to miss out. Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Booker, Luca, Jar, or Steph. Like, 
that's actually a terrible outcome. Like that's a really bad outcome. All right, Westbrook can coach. I am trying to trigger you now, aren't I? It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. Not falling not going, for this. I'm not going for your clickbait. No clickbait. Ah, oh, damn it, yeah. damn it. We've been too wary on the clickbait. Um, I think it's going to be an, an entertaining, um, an entertaining All Star weekend. Depending who's there or not, they may even extend the benches. Who knows? Yeah, the extra pro protocols. They might just get all the players to play NBA 2K just so no one gets COVID. You know, people would watch that. Yeah, I like that would actually be a thing. It'd be like like it'd be like streamed, and the player would be down at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> and they all play, or a lot of them play um, NBA 2K, which would be interesting to watch. All right, closing thoughts, my man. Um, do your research for everything, people out there. Don't don't get suckered into stuff. No more clickbait. Yeah, regulate the hobby. That's that's ah. Oh. There's too much bad. There's too many sad stories out there at the moment. Um, I'm I'm glad we've got horizontal slabs. I just wanted to say something positive. Yeah, I was going to say, you're trying to balance it out, but that was like the funniest like, att- like, attempt bang. at like putting a positive slant on it. Like It's like, hmm. I can't talk about anything else. We have horizontal slabs. So our positive stories this week has been horizontal slabs and hoops came out. And hoops are out. <laughs> hoops is out. Hoops is out. And, and Bol Bol um, got traded. Bol Bol got traded and, um, and DeMar DeRozan is going to be the starting guard in the All-Star Weekend. All right, next week we're going to be a lot more positive, people. We, we promise. are. We are. There's going to be hopefully some more trade news, some more hobby news, and a lot more positivity. So, yeah. yeah thank, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, yeah, Russell, cheers, mate. you want to shout out the socials? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. I mean, it's pretty, they're all fairly straightforward. Instagram, you can't comp this. Twitter, at you can't comp this. And Gmail, you can't comp this at gmail.com. Our email bounty is still in existence. So, if you send us an email. We'll give you a dedicated podcast to break down your email questions or whatever email message you have to send to us. We also have a Facebook page. You can't comp this podcast. And just again, thank you so much for your support. Subscriptions and downloads are slowly trickling up. We got to 78 downloads for the last episode. So that was, that was up positive. 50 up 50% from the previous episodes. So that's, that's really good. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, good to see Hopefully we hear from some of the listeners. Maybe we'll put out one of our um, our famous questions and get people to show off some of their stuff. I think that would be good. Get some get get some people around it and uh, some positivity in the hobby. Hashtag regulate the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you Thanks. so much for your time. Pleasure as always. See you next week. See ya. Bye.